Well, hello, and welcome in to the Get Around After Dark, presented by Jimmy John's. We are here to wrap up week number two of the prep football season. I am your host, Jake Adnip. In the studio with me is James Cook, and joining us via telephone is Brett Summers. We all had the distinct opportunity to head out to a few of our area prep football games, including Marquette at Traverse City Central on Thursday, Forest Area at Misick on Friday, Central Lake at Onekama in an eight-player showdown on Thursday, and Traverse City St. Francis at Glen Lake on Friday. To start off with our Week 2 matchups, we're going to shoot out to Brett, who covered the Forest Area at Misick game on Friday, and the Traverse City Central versus Marquette game at Thoroughby on Thursday. So, Brett, we'll get started with that first game that you saw this week with Traverse City Central defeating Marquette. What did you see out of the guys in their first home game at Thoroughby? Well, it wasn't the uh, the game that necessarily I was expecting to see. And obviously from week one, we knew that St. Francis kind of had their way with Marquette up in Marquette. And even though that game was kind of close, about halftime or so, it didn't stay that way for long in the second half. And so honestly, after the way Central went on the road against Bay City Western in week one and, you know, 144 to zero, I kind of was expecting a, a bit of a blowout of Marquette, but credit to the Redmen, they, they came to Traverse City and, you know, more or less were ready to play. You know, Central didn't play poorly by any means. Uh, maybe the, the biggest mistake that they made was on their opening drive. They got down inside the Marquette five and turned it over. Uh, so that might've stemmed a little bit of early momentum, but you know, that one ended up being 35 to seven. They scored 14 in the fourth quarter. Uh, it was only 21 to seven early in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, it, it still felt like a competitive contest and you know, the defense had only given up 60 yards in week one. They gave up significantly more to Marquette, uh, but kept them out of the end zone all except for one, one score. So, you know, defense is still looking good, and head coach Eric Sugar said he doesn't think the defense is even playing with a full level of confidence yet at this point. And, you know, offensively, it was more or less the Tobin Schwanke show again, which I think is kind of going <laughs> to turn into the storyline of the season. Uh, he led them in passing and in rushing over well over 100 yards in both, threw for a score, ran for a couple more, so... I mean, it was a strong showing. It wasn't necessarily uh, the level of domination that I kind of was expecting, but uh, it, it was a good good win for for Central at home at Thoroughbred to open that at home season. And maybe the funniest thing of the game was uh, apparently Central students aren't quite used to Patriot Week being uh, Week Four like it is this year, or maybe they don't know yet because they they were chanting, we want West after the game, and a bunch of the players on the sidelines were like, that's not until week four. Now, going into that second matchup that you did go to on Friday night, that eight-player football game, I know you haven't covered one in a while, Brett. What did you take away from the Mesick and Forest Area matchup? Well, Forest Area, you know, they, they're they're 2-0 and now. It was 46-32, to and, I mean, it was, it was a competitive game throughout, uh, even though Mesick now 0-2, so... You know, some of these local teams, I think it's just kind of showing that there are a few, uh, you know, on the upper end, maybe pulling away from the rest of the field. But overall, I think we're going to see a lot of competitive eight-man football. Really, the story in this one was the fact that it was close around halftime, 20 to 18. 
uh, Forest area took a lead by scoring with just 19 seconds left in the first half. And pretty quickly into the second half, Nisa quarterback Joey Stewart took a what looked to be a, a hit to the helmet by Lake Barksdale uh, after the uh, the Bulldogs ran a trick play, a double pass that the quarterback ended up making a catch on. And he laid on the ground for a while before uh, getting to the sideline. And you know, I really didn't expect to see him back in the football game. Uh, he did return after a few series, but after that he threw a couple interceptions. And, you know, Misek had kind of lost the, the momentum that they had carried early and going back and forth uh, with Forest Area, who just got a killer performance from uh, their quarterback, uh, Chase Ingersoll. He scored five rushing touchdowns uh, on the evening. Those five runs alone totaled over 200 yards. And then on defense, to top it off, he scored a sixth touchdown with a 40-yard interception return. So he was uh, he was pretty incredible and uh, maybe one of the players that we're going to need to keep an eye on as the season rolls along. Yeah, with a performance like that, it has to scare not only opponents, but people like us who have to, week by week, be able to tell who are the top performers. And when you have stuff like that, it's hard for anybody else to even come close to six touchdowns, especially spreading across both sides of the ball. Yeah, I mean, what, you had a, a six-touchdown performer on Thursday, and now I had one on Friday? And that's what I mean, is that it's kind of crazy <laughs> to see such big, big performances go on all during the same week. And thank you for joining. Yeah. Thank you for joining us via telephone, Brett, on your two matchups. We do appreciate you as always, and we look forward to having you back in the studio with us very soon. And to move on, we're gonna shoot down to my game that I went to on Thursday. I drove all the way down to Onekama to see probably the highest touted eight-player football matchup that we saw on the schedule this season, James. And you know, it kind of disappointed if you if you look at the Central Lakeside, but I don't think Onekama could have been happier. Onekama came out on top. It was 53-6 to six at the end of the game, and according to Coach Neff, he said it was completely unexpected. And when I went out there, I expected a little bit more out of the Trojans as well. You know, I just came around this season, and I heard great things from you guys and Brendan about what the Trojans were able to do just a year ago. And I expected a slugfest to go in this eight-man football game, and Central A came out, busted Onekama right in the mouth on the second drive of the game. Uh, Skylar Spangler ran it in from about 10 yards out, and it looked like Central Lake was going to get ready to roll. But Onekama, their defense literally would not let the Central Lake running backs of Spangler and Grant Papineau get almost anything going, two, three yards at most. And it was, you know, for an eight-man football team when they had four or five guys on a tackle, it was very impressive seeing more than half of the team working to take Papineau down. But that really wasn't the story of the day on the defensive side. It was Aaron Powers, their running back. Onekama's running back ran for five touchdowns, 153 yards. But it wasn't that he just had five touchdowns. It was how he did it. I honestly haven't seen somebody bowl over so many other defenders on his way to multiple scores in a game in at least a couple years. And he, he's not the biggest kid. He's not like he's out there oversized in Central Lake. He was just putting people down, and he had that determination to get through. Every time a body got hit onto him, he took one more step and wouldn't let go. And Powers led the way in the second half, but the entire team was up after that third quarter when they scored, I believe it was 22 points, and they realized that they had Central Lake down and out. Central Lake's quarterback, Skylar Spangler, um, was eventually replaced by junior Austin Bay, and he threw an interception on his first attempt to Ben Johnson, who ended up grabbing a another interception later in the fourth quarter, and that really killed the Trojans. It really just put
put a nail in the coffin, and the next play from scrimmage, Powers, on the first play of the Nonekama drive, Powers ran 32 yards over some more defenders for a score. So it was a bang, bang, bang uh, group of plays, and it really took the wind out of the sails for Central Lake. Now, Central Lake is 0-2, which I don't think a lot of people expected after going 13-0 and winning this Division One eight-man state championship last year. But Onekama sees this game as a chance to kind of springboard themselves because they think that's what Central Lake did last year when they beat undefeated Onekama. So Onekama has some pretty high hopes, and they are expecting to do bigger things than what I guess they felt they were limited to after they lost to Central last season. Yeah, a couple of players that I've talked to over the last uh, you know last season during the playoffs and this year for the season preview and the M88 story that I had said that you know, when they kind of got the idea that they were a team that could really do this was when they beat Onekama. That's kind of when it clicked that, uh, you know, this kind of could be the, the reality that they could they could do this. And so I think the opposite could be said maybe this year with uh, with Onekama. And that's what they're looking at. And I kind of made a mention. I, I didn't want to be the, the instigator of it all, but I kind of made the mention of a eight-player football rivalry kind of coming up between these guys because they talked about redemption from last year. And, you know, they even said they know that Central Lake's already circling them on the schedule for next year. You know, they're going to be in the same league for years to come. So I think this could turn into a back-and-forth battle between a couple of very good eight-player football programs. Now, James, you did only go out to one game this week, but it was what me and you chose as basically our matchup of the week, which was the Traverse City-St. Francis Gladiators heading out to the Glen Lake Lakers. Obviously, it was a bit more lopsided than a lot of people might have thought at the beginning of the season, but what did you take away from that game? I guess just how good St. Francis is. I figured that St. Francis was going to be good this season. I didn't necessarily think they were going to be this good right from the get-go. You know, they had a bunch of uh, veteran leaders, captain-type players that they needed to replace, and I uh, thought maybe it might take some time for that to gel. You know, they had the injury to Nathan Schmuckle, who was going to kind of be one of those guys to step into one of those roles, at least on the defense. So he hasn't played the first two weeks. But, uh, man, they, they were just almost juggernautish today. I mean, aside from a, a bad snap on their first possession, which they were driving and down, I think, to the Glen Lake 22, I think they scored on seven of the next nine times they touched the ball. They were they were pretty efficient. They threw in the, the monkey wrench this season of using the two different quarterbacks, you know, keeping Colin Endress and Danny Passano on the field at the same time, but switching them back and forth between which one's playing running back and running back wide receiver. You know, we're splitting them out at wide receiver, tight end, putting them all over, but keeping them out both on the field at the same time. So the defense kind of had to adjust for, for who was where. And, I mean, that has to be tough even for opposing teams now who are going to see the film of a game like this and trying to prepare for two quarterbacks who you wouldn't quite be sure on first or second or third down who's going to be taking the snap, and you're not going to know until they break the huddle. Yeah, yeah, you don't know whether it's going to be whether it's going to be Passano or, or Endress. You know, they're a little bit different as quarterbacks. You know, Passano is a little bit more of a run first, and, and Endress is a little bit more of a passer. But I think as the season goes on, usually St. Francis puts in some more wrinkles whatever changes they do to their offense that year. And it seems like they kind of have these things planned out. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're, you know, holding Enders back from running and going to let that, going to use that later. I mean, you know, we've seen from the baseball season, he's a pretty athletic kid. So I, I, I would expect for that to happen at some point. You know, um, we know that Passano can, can throw the ball, can certainly run the ball. You know, he caught a touchdown, a receiving touchdown from, from Enders today too. They both threw one. So, um, you know, Josh Sellers after the game said that it was nice to see the uh, the passing game kind of come together. They were combined six for seven, whereas last year, last week they were I think one for six or seven. Um, so I mean, and 
you know, I don't know that Glen Lake played bad. You know, they had some penalties. They kept uh, they kept getting offsides penalties quite a bit, um, including a couple on extra point conversions where St. Francis then would just, instead of going for the extra point, go for two because it's from one yard out. I think Glen Lake is a team that can rebound from this. You know, they, they, they started one and two last year, then won six games in a row, I think, to or started, yeah, one and two they last year. five. Yeah, won like five in a row in the regular season because they had won bye week and then won a playoff game and then gave St. Francis a close game in the playoffs last year. Well, it's always harder to beat a team twice, but I do think you forgot to mention the final score of that Traverse City St. Francis and Glen Lake game was 50 to 12. 50 to 12, yeah. yeah. And that wasn't what I expected uh, either. I mean, I didn't expect this to be to be that much of a separation. Um, I mean, it was only 14 and nothing at halftime. But like I said, uh, St. Francis had the one drive where, uh, you know, just a, a high snap out of the shotgun went over the quarterback's head, and uh, Jonathan Wright recovered that for Glen Lake. So that put an end to that drive. Um, you know, Jonathan Wright had a pretty decent game for, for Glen Lake. 10 carries, 66 yards, so 6.6 a carry. Reese Hazleton averaged 7.3 a carry. Joey Fosmore was, you know, 4 for 9 passing. And Fosmore did go out with an injury at the end of that game, didn't he? He did, yeah. And then uh, I think in the third quarter, uh, he, he sprained his ankle, kind of, and then went back in the game and kind of wasn't the same player. So Jerry Andrews pulled him out of the game. And then later on in the fourth quarter, he was walking around on crutches in the on the sideline and at one point tried to uh, put the crutches down and walk without the crutch and then like pretty frustratedly turned around and grabbed the crutches again. So it sounds like it's a, a pretty bad sprain, but uh, but Jerry Andrews, uh, you know, thought it was maybe kind of a week to week thing, and you know maybe he could play next week depending on uh, on how things go the next few days. So do you think my hot take will hold any water in the coming weeks? I I, I think that Glen Lake still is in position to make the playoffs. I, you know, like I said, they they did this last year, mm-hmm. then they came back, got largely same schedule. So you know, Frankfurt is the probably the biggest stumbling block and. And Frankfurt hasn't started out that great this season either. You know, I, I, I think it's totally doable for them. I mean, this is a very talented Glen Lake team, um, and I think they can they can put it back together and, uh, and make a nice run here. That's going to do it for the games that we were present at this week. But we do have plenty of more to cover for you in our Week 2 Prep Football Roundup presented by Jimmy Johns. One thing that we saw, at least on Thursday, was a whole boatload of shutouts, and they weren't just 14-10-0 shutouts. These were extreme blowouts. So I kind of labeled this as our, our week of the shutout uh, with all that had gone on you know, on Thursday. Just to give you guys a taste of what those were, Benzie Central shut out Kalkaska 33-0. Manton shut out their opponent White Cloud 48-0. Kingsley shut out Ogemaw Heights 43-0. And the most lopsided victory of this week was Elk Rapids shutting out East Jordan 62 to 0. So, I know this doesn't happen very often especially on the same day, but what do you take away from the teams who won big and what does this say about the teams who lost big? I think what one of the one of the surprises, uh, I mean, it's not a surprise I guess that all four of those teams are 2 and 0 mm-hmm. now. But I think it what is kind of surprising maybe to to the, some of the casual <laughs> football viewers is that uh, that three of those teams are 2 and 0. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, Elk Rapids being two and zero is maybe not a shock. I mean, they were you know it's like a seven win team last year, but you know Benzie hasn't had two wins to start the season for a long, long time. Uh, Kingsley's coming off a one and eight season. Manton has been one of those teams that's kind of been just muddling around five hundred for the last few years. So for all three of those teams to be two and zero 
by itself is impressive, and then coming out with uh, this kind of lopsided shutouts uh, take, kind of takes it to another level. Yeah, I definitely say the same thing when, you know, I think having games like these at the beginning of the season really do set the tone for the rest of your season. And like you said, a lot of these teams are playing the same schedules as they normally do. So it really might say something about the talent gap between the schools um, that we saw play each other on Thursday. And I think it does bode well for the area teams who are 2-0. Again, that's Benzie, Manton, Kingsley, and Elk Rapids. I think that they have a pretty good shot of keeping this going, especially if they keep the momentum that they have in the first two weeks. Now, some other notable games that we would like to get into are a couple Division One games that were both played away from the Traverse City area this week. And that was, first of all, Bay City John Glenn toppling Cadillac. Uh, 28 to 27, and I saw that Cadillac had an opportunity to come back very late in that game, but now Cadillac starts 0-2, and they come they come back in into the Traverse City area without without much wind under their sails. So I think that kind of pulled a lot out of them, and it's it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. You know, I, I don't think all is lost for Cadillac. Uh, you know, these have been two two close losses for them first two weeks here. They've both been by a touchdown or less by one point to to Bay City John Glenn and by eight to Lake Fenn, which is you know, Touchdown and two point conversion. You know, so I think they've got some. I think they have some hope there. Um, you know, they've they've got a, some winnable games coming up here. I mean, Toski, Alpina, Godwin Heights, Gaylord. You know, those are all pretty good, pretty decent teams. But they're all games where nobody would be shocked if Cadillac won those games either. Another game from the Traverse City area that turned out a bit disappointing for our area team was for the Traverse City West Titans. They traveled down to Grand Haven, about a three hour bus ride, and came back after a loss. By score of 13 to 10 and James you had a chance to talk to coach Vaughn after the game yesterday what did he say about their effort down in Grand Haven you know he seemed okay with the effort he said that uh, Grand Haven was a, a much better team than they played last year and you know he was on coaching staff last year as well and uh, mostly that it was just a lot of penalties that that really kind of killed them you know they kind of shot themselves in the foot with some penalties that ended some drives but he said they put together they put together some nice drives and uh, kind of put themselves in a position to except for those uh, those penalties. And I saw that the Traverse City West quarterback, Sam DeKuyper, did throw for over 200 yards in that game, which was a little bit different than what we saw to them in week one against Midland. They really stuck it to the ground, only had four or five pass attempts in, in week number one. So they obviously are getting, getting their game a little bit more rounded out, but their offense that scored around 30 points a game last year now averaging right around 12 for the first two games of the season. Obviously, Coach Vaughn, Probably wants a little bit more production out of them, but we'll have to see how they fare next week when they when they travel down to Holt. Another pretty notable result from this week two in prep football was Frankfurt taking on Harbor Springs. Frankfurt went all the way out to Harbor Springs and they ended up losing fourteen to seven. All of the points were scored before halftime. Harbor Springs was up fourteen to zero before Frankfurt was able to put seven points on the board with about four minutes left in the first half, and then the defenses really took over the show. And Coach Matt Stapleton really said that Harbor Springs has improved since the last time that they saw them, and their defense did an outstanding job of really holding down the Panthers' offense in the second half. A couple of the Panthers made some good defensive plays to make sure that Harbor Springs couldn't run away any further, but they were unable to get anything into the end zone after the original score. The two Gaylord teams both won this week. Uh, Gaylord St. Mary bounced back from that loss to Mancelona to open the season. They beat Inland Lakes pretty handily, fifty-one to thirteen. Uh, you know, Brady Hunter ran for one hundred seventy-three yards in that game. They had uh, a couple other guys who got close to a hundred. And uh, I mean, 
They put up 532 yards of total offense, which is a, a pretty astonishing number. I would, I, and I would say that's a that's a pretty good turnaround from what was it the 10 points that they scored on week one. Zero. Zero. They did get shut out. Zero. There. It was 16 to zero was the score. That's yeah. Correct. Yeah. And then uh, and then across town, Gaylord uh, beat Gladstone 42 to 34. Ryan Stefanski. Ran for 195 yards, two touchdowns. Cade Foster ran for 140 yards and two touchdowns. And uh, James Miller added 51 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, Gaylord's got some got some things going, too. And rolling off of those stats, we do want to bring on our next segment, presented by Jimmy Johns, our top performers of week number two. Just to name a couple people who really stood out to us at the Record Eagle. Um, just to get started off with, I know I mentioned him earlier, on in the podcast, but I would like to bring his stat line up, would be the Onekama junior running back, Aaron Powers. He did rush for five touchdowns and 153 yards. Another top performer from week two was Elk Rapids' Gordy LaFontaine. He, their quarterback went 18 for 31 for 337 passing yards and six passing touchdowns. He also rushed for a touchdown in that game. Benzie Central's quarterback, Joe Wade went 11 for 19 with 185 passing yards and two touchdowns. He also ran for 72 yards and a touchdown, totaling three on the evening. Kingsley's Aiden Mullen led the Stags with 132 rushing yards and three touchdowns in their game against Ogemaw Heights. Now, James, who were your top performers from Week 2? Yeah, Mullen also had three catches for 67 yards and a fumble recovery in that game <laughs> as well on top of that, and then led their defense uh, with uh, six tackles. So Yeah, and then there's a... Uh, Forest Area's Case Ingersoll, you know, five rushing touchdowns uh, and a touchdown on defense on an interception return. We've had several big games like this this season, and uh, you know, good to see out of some of these other teams too. Yeah, I think uh, I think Brett said that he totaled 273 yards on the ground, and like he mentioned earlier in this podcast, over 200 200 of those came on just five carries for those five touchdowns. He had a 73 yard touchdown run, a couple 40 yard runs, so definitely some impressive footwork from. Some of these athletes out in the Traverse City area during week two. But just before we let you go, we would like to look ahead to our week three matchups. There are only a few in the area with local area teams playing local area teams, but the most intriguing matchup has to be Traverse City St. Francis against the 2 0 Benzie Central. Purely, like you said, it's been a long time since Benzie's been able to start off 2 0, and now they're going to get what I would assume to be their first real test of the 2018 football season. And I know you said. Traverse City St. Francis has probably the upper hand in this matchup, but I think the underdog status of Benzie Central might play into a pretty good matchup in week number three. Yeah, and it's a home game for Benzie Central, too. Uh, you know, Josh Sellers from St. Francis said that you know, he imagines the atmosphere there is going to be you know, pretty and crazy with, uh, with the Benzie fans obviously rallying around this team after a 2-0 start. The last time Benzie Central started 2-0 was over a decade ago. That year that they... Uh, then they turned around and played Frankfurt in Game Three, and uh, and that was a twenty to thirteen game. You know, so I mean, I mean, it's a similar thing. You start off two and zero, and then play kind of one of the area's top teams. And uh, I think if if Benzie made it a twenty to thirteen game, I think they would be pretty happy at this yeah. at this point with this season. And I think if it was even that close towards the end of the game, that would give Traverse City St. Francis a bit of a scare. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, you know, the, the St. Francis players even today that I talked to. Um, I think it's the Glen Lake game. They ran up 50 points on Glen Lake, and they didn't seem to. They saw seemed to think that they should have scored way more than that. Like like they weren't happy with 50. Well, that is going to do it for us on this episode of the Get Around After Dark, presented by Jimmy Johns. 
As always, we would like to thank our Audible viewers for listening and joining us on your Saturday morning or afternoon, just after the prep football season has ended. But as always, my name is Jake Adnip. I have been your host, sitting here with James Cook. We would like to thank Brett for joining us over the telephone once again. And we will see you on Tuesday for our regular edition of the Get Around, where we will wrap up this whole week in prep sports and look ahead to next week's football matchups.